Hey there. Now that we've wrapped season three of An Arm and a Leg, we're going to do something a little different. It's time to take a look back at what we've learned and what I've learned in making this show. What are the big, big lessons, including stuff we never actually got to talk about on the show? And what are some big projects we're going to tackle in the next year or two? So spoiler alert, we are definitely going to keep looking at self-defense and what we can do to help ourselves and help each other fight back and keep from getting crushed by all the weird, screwed up, appalling, confusing ways the healthcare system and the health insurance industry and a bunch of other money-making powers that be keep messing with us. I'm telling you, I'm learning a ton every day. And every day I have more questions. But I'm not just going to yak at you. That would be weird. Instead, I'm going to do a slightly less weird thing, and I'm going to ask one of my favorite colleagues to interview me. You know, before I did this show, I was a reporter for public radio, and Sally Herships was a role model and then a mentor and a friend. So a few years ago, I got to work for a national show on public radio called Marketplace, and Sally was one of the people whose work on that show made me want to work there because she's so smart, she's so funny, she's so human, she's super kind, she's a great storyteller. And so when I got there, she was one of the people who really showed me the ropes and helped me understand how to do that job. And since then, she's done a lot of work for Planet Money, a bunch of other places too. So there's basically nobody I'd rather talk to about this work, and there's Nobody I feel better about putting in charge for the bulk of this episode. So, hey, Sally. Hey, Dan. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing this. How are you doing? Totally. I'm putting on my hosting hat. I'm I'm being you for the day. Excellent, excellent, excellent. But don't use my name because that would be confusing. Okay. Do you want to do the intro? Totally. I'm ready. This is An Arm and a Leg, a show about the cost of healthcare. I'm Sally Herships. And I'm Dan Weissman. Do you have any questions for me? So I don't know if I have a question, but I think I have a comment. It's something that I really appreciate about the show, which is that oftentimes as a reporter, when you're tasked with doing these stories, you're most commonly shedding light on a big question that people have, like, why is healthcare so expensive and confusing? But you don't really get to the answers. And I love that in this show, you guys get to the answers. And I think especially in the last season, right? You were talking about how people were figuring out how to solve problems on their own. Thank you. Yeah, man, that that's definitely the intention. We want to find out as much as we can. I mean, it it turns out the answer is like, oh, my God, how much time do you have um, to like why things are so <laughs> expensive? I say all the time I'm never going to run out of material for this show. But, yeah, I mean, we get to actually dig even on a little question like, huh, so those stitches were three thousand dollars and nobody could tell you up front how much they would be. Why is that? And like we actually get the time to dig in even on that little question, to be like, well, what is up with that little thing? And I should say $3,000 is not little for most of us, but I hear all the time about things in the tens of thousands of dollars, the hundreds of thousands. So, you know, it's all relative. So is that the kind of thing you mostly hear from listeners? Like, why is my medical bill so expensive? Or are people also writing in about other things too? Oh, man. I mean, I hear so many different kinds of stories and questions and, and stuff like you know, hundreds of people get in touch every season, like through the website and on social media, on email, on Patreon. And, you know, I kind of want to develop an actual system for them because there's just so many stories. There's like, yeah, why is my medical bill so expensive? It's a pain in the ass. Why is my medical bill so expensive? It's going to crush my family. I mean, like everything. I, I tried making categories for them 
for a little while, and they were just too many. I couldn't couldn't make it work. This is like a bad kind of popularity. Well, yeah, I mean, it's great to be popular, but yeah, it's terrible for our society, right? You know, there's a couple patterns that are kind of interesting. Can I can I tell you about them? Yeah, totally. Okay, so one of them is like people from other countries is kind of a big category. People who are like. Oh, man, you people have it rough over there. I cannot look away. People from other countries feel bad for us? Yeah. Oh, 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 man. People from other countries feel terrible for us. And some of them are like, I didn't know how good I had it here. Like, that ha- that happens, too. People from other countries who are like, this just makes me so grateful that I don't live in a country with the kind of system that you have. So America, American healthcare, making other countries look better. That's our slogan. <laughs> Making making people in other countries feel really great. Yeah, that's us. And then this other one that I don't maybe it shouldn't have surprised me, but it surprised me. And it's it's really huge. And it may be the single biggest category of people that I hear from. It's people who work in medicine, like doctors and nurses and physician assistants and physical therapists. So when we did a listener survey at the end of season two, one of the questions I asked, because I was curious, I was like, this is a lot of people. I asked, like, do you work in medicine or a related field? And like a third of the people said yes. So wait a minute. You mean people like some of the people who are listening and writing in, they are not just normal sick people. They're also the healthcare <laughs> provider, like the people who are creating the bills and the medical costs are also listening. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Like, if you're a, a doctor or a nurse or a physician or whatever, people don't feel like they're, like, in charge. They don't go into this in order to, like, make a gazillion dollars. I mean, some people who are doctors make a good living, but they could probably also make a good living, like, on Wall Street, right? If getting into medical school is hard. And, you know, lots of other people don't make spectacular salaries as, like, nurses or physician assistants or whatever. I mean, those are solid careers that require serious training and education. But, you know, the people I hear from are like, I want to help people. And they're saying, like, it hurts my heart you know, that I'm I'm here to help people. But I'm I'm part of a system that's actually causing them huge problems. And are they feeling frustrated by the system, too? Big time. Yeah. Just a couple weeks ago, I got a note from somebody. She said she's a nurse midwife uh, and she works for what she calls a she calls it a quote unquote nonprofit Catholic hospital. And she says, like, I'm sure the sisters who started it over 100 years ago would be furious about how it's run. And the end of the note is like. If you ever need an insider to tell you how the system also ties the hands of providers, I'm your gal. Keep fighting the good fight. Wow. It's really heartening, right? In that listener survey, we asked for a lot of like open-ended feedback. And the one thing that stuck with me the most, there were a lot of things, but was another person who wrote who was a nurse. And she was like, listening to this show makes me an advocate for change. Whenever I can, my patients get your information. That's kind of great. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other super memorable one was this woman who wrote in was like, I recently retired from running a hospital because it's not just the doctors and the nurses. It's like I hear from people who are like, I work in the insurance industry. I'm an administrator. Like nobody feels like they're actually running things. And this woman had recently retired from running a hospital system, like a whole chain of hospitals. And then her nephew got sick with cancer, really sick. And she was like, I'm your advocate. Don't pay a single bill until I've gone through all of them. And she went through all of them and she found tons of errors and tons of things that just needed to be argued with. And she was like, I know this stuff better than anybody. And this is an enormous amount of work for me. And obviously I wanted to do a story with her, but she was like, no, no, I can't go on tape with you 
I was like, why not? She was like, well, where my nephew lives, it's kind of a small town. And the hospital doesn't see that many people. Like, basically, she said, I think somebody would recognize my voice. And they'd be pissed because I'm calling out the ways in which we're being overcharged. And that would affect my nephew's ongoing care. Wow. Yeah. So you said there were a couple of different really interesting categories of people who write in. So we've heard about healthcare providers, which is a big surprise to me, or would be a big surprise, except I've heard the show. What is the other category? <laughs> well, the other one I was thinking of, it's this one that makes me super, super happy. It's when people say they're using the information they get from the show. Mm. So at the end of the season, I actually asked people to write in with the subject line, I learned. And one person wrote in, uh, Sarah from Chicago, and she said, from listening to this podcast, I learned that I should not just roll over when a bill arrives that I think is wrong. And then she had this story. She got like a $1,500 bill for like a simple blood test. And there was a whole thing. Like her insurance didn't want to pay anything. It was out of network. She was going to be on the hook for $1,500 for this blood test. And then she writes, here's where being a listener of this podcast changed things. I said, no, this is unfair. I'm not paying this bill. So – what is the next step for me to appeal this? What is the next step for me to become Sarah? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And then she says, four months, four months, and several phone calls later, the charges were completely dropped and we paid nothing. Hmm. That's, I mean, that's, it's amazing, but it's sort of sad. Wow, four months is a lot of time. Yeah. Well, she says like several phone calls. It's not like she was like making a full-time job of being right. on the phone for four months, but you're kind of living with it for four months. You don't like make one phone call and get it fixed. You got to be a real grown up about it. So yeah, like how do I become Sarah is actually like kind of a good question for a lot of us. So wait, are people going out and doing stuff like that often? Is that a thing? I mean, I don't know how often, but I'm hearing about it a lot. And and the, the next step that I'm hearing about is the one that makes me even more excited. It's where people are going out and sharing what they've learned, like spreading the word. So like right after we published our last episode, a woman from California named Emily F. Peters posted a thread to Twitter. And it was like, come on a journey of rage with me, Twitter. I'm researching <laughs> the fair prices for my appendectomy surgery to dispute my bill. <laughs> she had gotten an appendectomy when she was out of town. So all the charges were out of network. They added up to more than $61,000. And the good news was her insurance paid like $54,000. Wow. Yeah, she's like, that is way more than fair. And then the hospital is like, so Emily, about the other $7,000 in change, when are we going to get that from you? She demanded the itemized bill. And then she started looking up the going rates for the area where the hospital was. And she found these like giant whoppers, like there's a, an abdominal CT scan. She found the going rate for that scan in that area is $279. Her bill showed a charge for $6,662. Wait a minute. How, that's like a huge percentage <laughs> difference. That's basically like 300 bucks. Yeah, I'm not doing them. It's what, like 20 times, like 2,000%. Like yeah. I mean, there's another one. She was like, oh, here's a basic blood test. The going rate is 55 bucks. On her bill, it's more than $1,000. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she's like, I'm fighting all of these. And in the middle of this whole thread, she, like, links to our episode where she learned this. And she's like, thanks, Arm and a Leg Show, for teaching me how to do this. We did our episode called Can They Freaking Do That? Like, we went through all these steps. And I was like, in the middle of that episode, I was like, you might want to get a pencil here. And, like, I, you know, she did. 
you should give out licenses. Have you considered that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. I think this is kind of where where things want to go from here is like how do we how do we make this into a kind of a community education project? Right? How do you make it into a community education project, Dan? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I've got the beginnings of some ideas, and we're going to talk about them right after this break. This season of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production of Public Road Productions and Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit newsroom that covers healthcare in America. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with the giant healthcare provider Kaiser Permanente. We'll have a little more on Kaiser Health News at the end of this episode. So, Sally, you were asking, how do we turn this into a community education project? And I'm like, I, I don't completely know yet. But can I tell you this one other story? Because yeah, it, yeah, it's about how – because it, well, it, it's kind of like this is how we make it into a community education project is people are educating me. Like I have to learn how to like use what people are teaching me. So like that same week, also on Twitter, someone pointed me to this incredible lesson. This woman posted to Twitter about how she had used advice she found on TikTok to get an emergency room bill reduced, like from $1,000 to $0. Wait a minute. And TikTok, TikTok, just because I'm old. Oh, me too. TikTok is this, uh, all, so all the youngs are doing. Um, <laughs> the youngs. It's another social video platform. It's like Instagram maybe, but everything's a one-minute video. Oh. And like the major like thing that it's known for is like you can take sound, often music, that somebody else has put up there. And use it to make your own video. So it's like someone posted their music video and you're like, here's my video of me doing a thing to that music. But people also just use it like one minute videos. And so this woman named Shauna Burns was posting videos about defending yourself from crazy medical bills. And so here's here's the one that I got pointed to on Twitter. Here's a little bit of it about about emergency room bills. You get a bill for $1,000. The very first thing you do, say, I want an itemized bill with every single charge. Now, what they're going to do on the back end of that, because they don't want you to know that they've charged you $37 for a f***ing Band-Aid, they're going to take that $37 charge right off of there. Before they send you the itemized statement, any of those stupid charges, they're going to take them right off. And all you have to do is ask for an itemized bill with every charge. And they're going to take those charges off because they don't want you to know that they're charging you $37 for a f***ing Band-Aid. And guess what? That's how much they charge for a f***ing Band-Aid. So when you actually can say, you charge me $37 for a Band-Aid, they don't like that. Wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. I mean, what she's doing is amazing, but I just have to ask, do ho- like, yeah. do do people actually get charged? Like, do hospitals and doctors actually charge $37 for a Band-Aid? Does that happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it totally happens. I mean, I don't know. I, like, I should say, like, I'm a journalist. I should, that totally happens, like, because I'm not looking at an actual emergency room bill right now that I fact-checked. But, you know, Sarah Cliff, who's now at the New York Times, in her last job at Vox, did a whole year and change worth of investigating emergency room bills. She had people send her ER bills. And the whole thing started when she got a, a note from somebody who was like, I went to the emergency room with my kid who had a cut on their finger, but it was late at night and it was bleeding a lot. And the bill was like 600 and some dollars. Wow. Um, and what they did was they put a Band-Aid on her finger. Oh, my God. In, in, that, in that case, the actual Band-Aid charge, because that was separated out, was, you know, only $7. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, wow. And this is, why, yeah. this is why people are going to TikTok to, like, talk about how to fight these charges, I guess. Uh, yeah. And this is, this is what we're up against. So when I saw that, I was like, 
I guess I have to download TikTok on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) This woman, Shauna Burns, is still the only person I follow on TikTok because, I mean, I'm old. I'm not going to get involved in this any more than I really have to. But she's amazing. She had like nine or ten videos about fighting medical bills and debt collectors. And she had actually worked as a debt collector for a few years. So she really knew a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And she – and like – she has a daughter who's had some complex medical stuff where the billing stuff got very complicated. And so she also has a lot of experience kind of fighting back as a consumer. So they're super good. But like, you know, find, this is like the TikTok thing. Like finding them took a lot of work because she's a super prolific TikToker. So like I learned about her at the end of December and she had posted these videos like three, four weeks earlier about medical bills. And in the meantime, she'd posted – it was like hundreds of TikToks. That is like a fascinating TikTok story that you found. What is maybe a message that someone sent you that has stuck with you in a similar way? Well, here's one that I don't know how I'm going to use yet, but it, this is like the most surprising that I got. I got a message last spring from a woman who said she had just left a high-ranking job in the Trump administration doing health policy stuff, and she loves the show, and she had a lot to say. And so, like, I called her and we talked and she was for real. And she was she was really good. Like, she gave me some really good tips on stuff to check out that checked out. She had a super interesting perspective and I really liked her. And I told her, I was like, you may have noticed I haven't had people on the show who do, like, high-level political and policy stuff because uh, you might have noticed we're in a country where things get super divisive really, really fast. She was like, I totally get it. So, um, but I was like, I have some ideas about how I might, like, be able to bring you into a conversation because I think it would be super interesting. And she was like, okay. Um, so I'm, I'm actually kind of working on that now. Like, wow. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work out, but that's on my like uh, wish list. For, for next season. For next, as, like as soon as I can make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I guess before we get to next season, do you have any updates on people we learned about this season? Yeah, a couple. So there's like Wendy Thomas, the reporter in Memphis who got the biggest hospital in town to stop suing patients. When we talked, she was still just going on like a rough, like literally like back of the envelope estimate of like, so they this hospital dropped thousands of lawsuits. How many dollars did that represent? And so since then, she's actually been able to do the math. Like she like she had some colleagues like go download thousands and thousands of court records and figure out the numbers in them. And it was like almost $12 million. Wow. That's, yeah. That's, right. a, so, that's a not an insignificant sum. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? Yeah. 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 And it's like a pretty good return on your investment for journalism, I would say. Yeah. So that was pretty good. And then there was the family in Cincinnati with the softball tournament, and they were raising money from the local community to erase like a million dollars in medical debt, and they raised the money they thought it would take. So I heard from them just recently. They're like, hey, we heard back from the group RIP Medical Debts that kind of facilitates all the financial magic that makes that happen. And the statement we got from them says the money we raised didn't uh, wipe out a million dollars worth of medical debt. It wiped out $7 million worth of medical debt. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, uh, how? They were like, yeah, we're curious, too. Uh, so they're, they're they're trying to figure it out, too. But I thought that was, you know, that was pretty cool. Also, I guess this is a little bit of a plug, but we, we, we profiled this comedy group that does like a musical about the history of healthcare and health insurance. And they are remounting their show in New York like once a month in February and March and April and I think in May. So I'll put the dates in the newsletter. And anybody who's in New York and wants to check it out can go check it out. Okay, so those were people from last season, people you spoke to. Like, did anything get left on the cutting room floor that you wish you could have used but didn't? There were a couple of things that, like, 
were on tape that I wished I could have used. And one of them was there's this great bit from uh, Meredith Balo. She's the woman we profiled early in the season. We called her a medical bill ninja. And so there was this story from early in her ninja career, her kind of ninja education, where uh, she needed a blood test. And her doctor was like, you need this blood test. But I got to tell you, the lab work, uh, you run it through my office, it's going to cost you like 400 bucks. And you can maybe get a better deal someplace else. So she like made all these phone calls. And she ended up calling actual labs to get like the wholesale price. And they were like, oh, yeah, well, what's the procedure code? What? And she's like, Yeah. Yeah, what? Sorry, but like, what? Yeah, what? What, what is what's a, procedure a procedure code? Well, yeah, and here I'm like, oh yeah, I should have that written down. But it, there's all this medical coding where it's like, I need a blood test. Well, is it blood test fifty four seventy five A or blood test fifty four seventy five B? Where we run this different process on it, right? And they all, as far as I understand it, they allow one like providers to talk to each other, so they're talking about the same thing, and they also figure into billing, right? So then for any given code. You bill insurance and you're like, we did this. It's this code. Got so it. these codes are like what's behind the curtain. They're the way these people all talk to each other. Cool. So she needed that and she was like you and me. She was like, what's a procedure code? And and she and she needed to figure out how she would get one for this thing. And she knew she could call the doctor's office and ask, but she felt very shy because here we are. This is how to, you're like you're just kind of feel like you're exposing what you don't know. But she didn't let that stop her. She got creative. She kind of let them think that she was a provider. I said, oh, hey, I have a patient who, <laughs> who we're looking. She needs this. Can you send me this? I, I just, you know. You're just a voice in the phone. I just, so I'm just the voice. You're from a doctor's office. Yeah, I was like, I just, I, we, we, you know, I need you to send over nice. her script so that you can, I can get the exact billing code that she wants. I was like, maybe if I sound like an authority, they'll just give it to me. <laughs> well, that was really genius, though. You intuited, you believed, you felt. Like, if you just called and said, hi, I'm a patient. I wonder how much this will cost. They might have blown you off. Yeah, I really and thought so, they would. And they do. <laughs> yeah. And so you, I mean, I think this is a really good ninja move, right? You were like, you're like, I have a patient who, did you? And did I you, am the patient. Right, right. <laughs> I do have a patient who. <laughs> she got the test for $91. Amazing. Yeah. So you said you had a couple of pieces of tape that you didn't get to use. Was there another one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one wasn't exactly from an interview. It was like a conversation at the end of an interview. We did the story in the middle of the season. It was, can they freaking do that? Where this woman got a bill for 35 bucks, and then they wanted to charge her 1300 if she didn't pay right away. And so I was running around trying to figure out, like, is that legal? Can they freaking do that? And is there a way to fight it? And the person with the best answer was this law professor at the University of Arizona. His name's Christopher Robertson. He was like, yeah, you can fight it. And he had like the best line. This is what he said. This is shooting fish in a barrel from a, from a contract law perspective. And at the end of our conversation, as I was thanking him for taking the time to talk and stuff, he asked me a question. Have you already thought about doing sort of a practical handbook uh, about how to fight your medical bills? Why do you ask? Because I'm realizing there's a gap between the sort of policy analysis and the more practical, like, okay, here's the letter, here's the words, here's the yeah. phone numbers, here's the yeah. – <laughs> um, almost like a step-by-step. -step. And I can imagine that being, again, like you said, at least until the cavalry arrives, yeah. that sort of more handbook sort of approach might be, might be helpful to people and might sell. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. I'd be super interested in that. Okay, well, let's let that percolate in the back of our heads for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, so that has been percolating. Like, I've been thinking about that. And, 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 and I've talked more with him about it and with some other people, too. It, it's a super interesting idea.
Dan, are you going to write a book? You should write a book. Are you going to write a book? (laughs) You know, if we're going to be a big community education project, we should have like a handbook, right? Something you can take with you. This could take a little while. But this is kind of this other part of this self-defense. Like we we profiled Meredith. She's like the healthcare ninja. So the question is like, yeah, how do we build a dojo? Well, right. I don't know how to build a dojo, but I do know that if anyone <laughs> out there listening is a book agent or a publisher, you should hit Dan up. You should get in touch with Dan Weissman. Make him your author. <laughs> that would be cool. But building the dojo is the big project. And I've been thinking a lot, like I've kind of been, Building the dojo is this idea that I've been now talking about. Can I tell you how I think about it? Sure. I've been thinking about this a lot. It's like the thing about a dojo is like you don't just go there to learn how to punch and kick and throw. That's not actually what the dojo is for. The dojo is there so you can learn how to be kind of an effective citizen. Like, number one, you're not looking for a fight. You're looking for ways to be effective, like how to negotiate and communicate. Like that includes techniques for being patient and being calm, knowing the right words to use. And then if there is a fight, if there's got to be a fight, knowing your absolute best options, including how to throw your best punch if you need to. And like being an effective citizen means being effective on behalf of other people too, right? Because you don't know when some bad thing may be coming for someone that you're around or that you care about. You're there. And this is this is this other thing about a dojo is that, like, as you learn more, you, you know, you like advance in rank. And that also means you're taking on responsibility for teaching and mentoring other people. Got it. OK, so it's like learning the skills, having them at the ready, but also helping to spread them to educate the community. Yeah. And, and having them ready to put at the service of anybody who needs them. Right. So I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a big idea. I haven't built a dojo before. I'm not like I haven't actually like I kind of went to this really great dojo for a little while. And I was like, this is too much work. I can't do this. Um, So my experience is limited, um, but I really liked it. And I think it would be cool. So maybe I should call those people up and tell them, like, I I, I still don't know if I can do karate the way you do it. But like, I really want to learn how to do things the way that you do them. So what are you going to do next? Like, what are the next steps? Well, we're going to make more episodes of this podcast. We're going to release some in a few months and then more later in the year. And and in the meantime, I want to, like I was kind of saying before, I want to really use these other tools that we have to keep this conversation going. You know, we're on social media. I'll give the little plug. We're on Twitter and Instagram at at Show. We're on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Show. So we're there. The thing that I want to use the most is our newsletter. Because the newsletter goes directly to your inbox. Like, I follow a lot of things on social media. And, like, I assume that I'm missing 99% of what anybody I follow posts on social media. And I'm okay with it. So I want to, like, use our website and the newsletter to, like, have a place where we're able to kind of – where I'm able to share what I'm learning and share what people are sending in and keep this conversation going between seasons. So here's where I give the address to actually sign up for the newsletter. It's armandalegshow.com slash newsletter armandalegshow.com slash newsletter and you can see all the awesome tiktok videos from shauna burns and you can sign up there and stay with this conversation so that's that's the big thing cool yeah there is this other thing that is a bit of a next step that's kind of celebrating the community we're already started to build can i give this a little spiel yeah please so we're about to hit 500 supporters on patreon 
This is a goal I set at the beginning of the season. We are like just about there. And I've been promising that we'll celebrate. And that is happening. So Sean O'Neill, who designed our logo, is making these three super cool things for everybody who signed up, who's part of this first 500-person cohort. So first, there's arm and a leg band-aids. And there's a version of this that I already send out to people who give $20 a month or more. And I'll keep doing that. And those are like refrigerator magnets, which are awesome. You can display them on your fridge forever. But these band-aids, Sean is making, they're stickers you can print yourself at home. Because, I mean, Sally... The postage on 500 packages of stickers would kill us and me taking like – it would take me like a week to stuff 500 envelopes. And I should probably be doing other things like make the show. But so Sean and I are working on it so you can print them onto address labels. I just ordered myself a packet from Amazon for like three bucks delivered. You can get a packet with like 10 sheets, 30 to a sheet, 300 stickers. So that's one. Arm and leg Band-Aids. Second – Another big print-it-yourself sticker, like big round stickers. Again, I've ordered these for a few dollars. You can get dozens of blanks that go in your printer. And so when we put all this stuff out, I'll include links to like where you can get these things for cheap. And then – but my favorite part, and this is kind of something you were talking about before, are like membership cards. Oh, become an right? arm and a like, leg member. Licensing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is your certificate, right? Yeah. So if you're part of this first cohort, you get this one-time thing. It's a For now, it's a membership card in the arm and a leg ass-kicking league for self-defense and mutual aid against the awful costs <laughs> of healthcare. I want to sign me up. I want to join. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, all right. Uh, it's uh, patreon.com slash arm and a leg show, or you can go to arm and a leg show.com slash support for the link to that. Yeah, yeah. It will entitle the bearer to all the rights and privileges of membership and certifies you're with us. And this is the one time part, because I think eventually everybody should have every, you know, if you're, if you're with us, everybody should get this. But this one says, you know, you're a charter member, like class of February 2020. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So anybody who signs up before March 1st, 2020 gets this. And this means you're there laying the foundation for our dojo, whatever a dojo actually looks like. <laughs> so that's that's it, man. That's where that, that, Sally, that, we, we've come. That, I got to go. I got to go do that. I got to go make the show. <laughs> I got to go write the next newsletter. I got to do those things. Uh, we're going to put this out. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for, for, for interviewing for interviewing me on my show, which is a weird <laughs> thing for us to do. But I'm really happy that we did it. Thanks for having me. Do I have to do I have to give back the show now? <laughs> well, eventually. Do you wanna do you wanna do you wanna do the credits? I'll do the credits. This is an arm and leg, a show about the cost of healthcare. Our host for this episode has been Sally Herships. And this episode was produced by Dan Weissman. The editor is Ann Pepperman. The consulting managing producer is Daisy Rosario. Music by Dave Weiner and Blue Dot Sessions. Adam Raimunda is the audio wizard. This season of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News, a nonprofit news service about healthcare in America that's an editorially independent program of the Kaiser Family Foundation. All right, cool. I'll take it back here. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with Kaiser Permanente. That's the big healthcare provider. The two groups share an ancestor. That's it. It's this guy, Henry J. Kaiser. He had his hands in a lot of different stuff, and it's kind of a fun story. You can check it out at armandalegshow.com slash Kaiser. Diane Weber is national editor for broadcast. Tony English is senior editor for broadcast innovation at Kaiser Health News. They're editorial liaisons to the show. They're kind. They're smart. Our, our special guest host for this episode is Sally Herjip. Sally, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you. One last thing we're going to do. I'm going to thank our newest supporters on Patreon, and there's a bunch of them. In fact, 
we're going to say thank you to the following 74 people who joined us as patrons in the last few weeks in amounts that range from two bucks a month to a hundred dollars a month thank you so much we've come a long long way thanks to you and we are going to have an amazing year so thank you to matt sien julia talbot eric humpy dave heineman valentina s eric peterson ellen richards michael gerber Elizabeth Beckett, Brian Halma, Preyus Taylor, Aubrey Drake, Devin McKay, Tegan, Mary Barbosa Jerez, Joe Craig, Mary Lou Wojtek, Angela Druvan, Caroline Corey, Katharina Hathaway, Jillian, Daniel Gao, Robert Seskovich, Matthew Finnegan, Carlos Espinosa Forlenza, Sharon Tove, Ruth Mendham, Jesse Decay, Lindsay Sipes, Dave Chase, Matt M., John McCulloch, Rachel England, Laura Poutre, Tiffany Ballinger-Floyd, Megan Rayley, Mark Shoney, Valentina, John Butis, Keith Jones, Hugh Vartanian, Kate White-Tudor, Janet Serrano, Claire McLaughlin, Tracy Eliasson, Michael Brofman, Elsa Ashelford, Michael Stella, Erica Murdoch, Sheila Watley, Gabrielle, Yusuke Federica Kimura, Mary Kate Harkreader, Jack H. Levy, Susan Lupiani, Lenore Hare, Russell Yanofsky, Tim Inkelbarger, Danielle, Print and Marketing Solutions Group, Peggy Chapleski, Gray Hilliard, Shelby Kennedy, Mina Siang, MD, Laura Jurgensen, April Kuhnhoff, Arnie and Banford Weissman, David Weissman, Lenore Weissman, Rose Gazin, Coffee and Creatures, Kyle Vath, Scott Fry, Rena Campbell, Johanna Schoon, and Kaylin Bezanar. Thank you so much. We're going to have an amazing year. We'll be back with new episodes later in the year. You can catch us with the newsletter till then. And as always, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm.